Well, Anna, welcome to Badge Educators. We're glad that you're here. Penny and I are talking to brave and daringly great educators that are doing lots of fun things in, in different places. My name is Heath Lumen. I'm in St. Louis, and I've been a teacher for over 20 years, and I'm joined by my friend Penny. Hi, Penny Foy, and I am a recently retired elementary school principal. I retired January 2023, and I served at the same school for 20 years, but I have over 35 years of experience in education as a whole. So just before we jump into our discussion, one question that we love to ask people is, if we are going to come visit you and your part of the world, like what would you recommend that we do while we're visiting your neck of the woods? Well, that is a super easy answer because I live 30 minutes from Lake Tahoe. And so um, if you come to see me, I'm in Carson City, Nevada, which is just, just across, not even we border it basically. So I would highly recommend that you go to Lake Tahoe, whether it is summer or winter, there is something to do. And it is just, we've lived here for, we're almost here for eight years and it is the most beautiful place I've ever lived in my life. So I am just, it's, it's gorgeous. Any window I look out, I see mountains and in 30 minutes I can be at the beach. So, <laughs> so I grew up in Minnesota, which is the land of 10,000 lakes. I've heard stories of Lake Tahoe, but I don't know much about Lake Tahoe. So what makes Lake Tahoe so great? So Lake Tahoe is, um, the water in it is all from snow melt from the mountains. Um, and so it is extremely, extremely deep. It is extremely, extremely blue. And it is just surrounded. Like it's, I don't even, I don't have the right numbers. It's massively huge also. Like to drive around it in a car takes several hours. And so to like, just you know, just anywhere you go. And so there's sandy beaches, there's rocky beaches. It's crazy to be like sitting on the beach and looking at snowy mountains in the distance because like, especially last year we had snow until August. Um, but so it's just, it's a really, really beautiful place. And one of the things that this area works really hard is to keep, they keep Tahoe blue is one of the like mottos that you hear around here, just to really work to keep it such a beautiful, like clear lake that just has opportunities. So, wow. I know I have visited Las Vegas several times. My brother used to live there. So, very little resemblance there, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, Vegas and, and Carson City are polar opposites. Like, it's, it's funny that we live in the same state. It's actually closer for me to get to like San Francisco than it is for me to get to Las Vegas. Wow. Right here. It sounds nice. awesome. Got to take a trip there, Heath. We have to take a trip. Totally. Totally. Right. <laughs> well, I didn't know what was in Carson City before, so I guess that would be worth it. I mean, one to go see Anna, but then also go see Lake Tahoe. <laughs> so, Anna, we have been talking to teachers, and we have been having discussions with them and learning more about what they're doing in their classrooms. And sometimes when we ask them, they're like, well, I just do the things that I usually do. It's not special. And yet every teacher is so passionate about students and the things that they want for their students. So we are just saying, what brave and daringly great things have you been doing so that you can share it with others? So what is that like in, in Mrs. Mashkey's classroom? Um, so I teach uh, middle school literature primarily. So I have fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade literature at a school here in Carson City, Bethlehem Lutheran. And 
when I was thinking about that, it's true. Like, I'm just like, it's just what I do, but I am passionate about literature and getting books into the hands of my students. And one of the things that I do that I feel probably is different than what a lot of people do is I read aloud to my middle schoolers every single day. And it's, I feel it's really important and I value it a lot. And I don't feel that there's an age that kids should stop being read to. It activates parts of your brain that other things doesn't. It teaches them retention skills because you have to hold on because I read about 10 minutes every day. And so it teaches them to hold on to the information from day to day to gather that. And I get to expose them to books that they probably wouldn't pick up on their own because I purposely picked my read alouds to be number one, good read alouds, but number two, to be books that they maybe wouldn't have grabbed off my shelf, but that they really, really enjoy. And so I started in my Well, I taught third grade and I, of course, read in third grade, but when I moved up to fifth grade, I started doing fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, I started doing it. And for my eighth graders, it's like gotten to the point where some of them are like, so we get to read today, right? Like you're going to read to us because every once in a while I can't. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going to, you know, and um, it just, it's such an awesome opportunity to expose them to books that maybe I couldn't teach them um, for one reason or another, but gives them some different perspectives. I jokingly say my goal is that the students leave my class and they're not jerks. Like they just learn to be kind to other people and they like have other perspectives in their world that they just aren't jerks to other people. So the books that I read aloud to them sometimes give them some perspective that maybe I couldn't do otherwise. So, and to be honest, I love it. Like I love reading aloud. I love being read aloud too. So it's a, it's a lot of fun for me as well, but that is in my 40 minute class period, they read to themselves for 10 minutes. I read to them for 10 minutes and then I teach them for 20 about whatever it is I need to teach that day. So, Anna, I'm excited to hear you say that because I agree, read alouds are extremely important. And I taught sixth grade literature to my sixth grade students many, many years ago. And I can, and a lot of the students that I taught were low achievers in terms of they were intelligent. They just did, they lapsed some, they had gaps in their learning, especially in the area of reading. So whenever I would pull out a book to read, you know, it was like you had a captivated audience, mm-hmm. not books that were underneath their level, but on a, that independent reading level, as long as the teacher was reading to them. And you're right, it did turn them on and they want to be read to. So kudos to you for jumping out there and building that rapport with your students. Um, would you say that reading to them also enhances your relationship with your students? Oh, I think definitely. I was just laughing. I had not laughing, but I had two of my fifth graders, like we were out at recess or at lunch or something, doing something else. And they walked up to you. They're like, Mrs. Mashkey, the book you are reading to us is so good. And I'm like, I'm glad you like it. One of them was like, I made my parents go buy it. So I've already read the end. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. You know? it just gives, it gives them something else to talk about, right? It's another way to connect with them. It's another way to like get into their lives to figure out what they love, what they like. I actually had two of my students who came up to me last week also, and they're like, Mrs. Mashke, we have a book that we think would be a really good read aloud. Would you like to read it? And then you can decide if it's a good read aloud. And I was like, sure, I can't promise you I'll read it aloud to you, but I'll be happy to read it. And so it was just, which, you know, it's just fun to see what they get excited about and to share that with them. And you know, we're still, as much as I hate to talk about the COVID and how COVID impacted education, it did. And um, the kids I have are the kids that were right now, like kindergarten, first, second graders during the shutdown. And so there's still some like, I don't want to say gaps, but there's still some things that they didn't get in those early primary grades that are impacting 
how they learn and how I have to teach them now. Um, it just, it, it looks a lot different um, in a lot of ways than I did when I was first teaching because they just don't have some of those experiences because they missed out. We, we live in this Snapchat and Instagram world where like we are so visual driven that that being able to develop that ability to listen well, to, to pay attention, like that's really powerful. And tapping into the power of story. We naturally love to learn not just what happened in the story, but we we learn lessons. We learn life through stories. So what are some of the stories that you're able to use to be able to make that impact on, on middle um, schoolers, young adults? <laughs> so my fifth graders, I'm reading a book called The Lion of Larkay's Manor. It is a fantasy, but it's a new book. If you haven't read it, it's probably a five-star read for anyone. Um, but it's about actually about story and how books impact our ourselves and our humans. And in the story, it's a fantasy. She meets a, a water nymph. Um, she gets a magic line in exchange for giving away books. She thinks it's one book, but the nymph keeps taking more books. And she watches how the people she loves personalities change when they no longer have memories of these books that have shaped them. And she has to decide what to do. And so we get to talk about the power of word and the power of story and the power of books in people's lives in ways that we maybe don't think about, which is really, really fun. The sixth graders, wow. I'm reading a book, The Midnight Children, which is also another mm. new one. It's The premise is this boy who's really a loner. He doesn't really have any friends in a town where he doesn't really fit in, looks out the window and sees these seven children move into the abandoned house next door. He doesn't know what's going on. And so over the course of this, you meet these kids, you hear their stories. He, Ravani, the main character, finds some friendship in this and kind of be able to use his voice in new and different ways. And so it's about like understanding that we don't always know everyone's backgrounds, but we, the power of kindness and the power of friendship and the power of community, which is really great. The seventh graders, I read the Shadow Children series by Margaret Peterson Haddix, which is an older series, but it's, the premise is there is dystopian community type stuff, third children are illegal. And our main character is a third child who's been in hiding for 12 years. And he, through a series of events, meets another child who's in hiding. And then the whole series just talks about them trying to find their freedom and understanding like what it means to be free and what it means to like respect authority as well as like fight for what you know is right and true and it gets into a whole conversation about like propaganda and like how to like listen to media and figure out what's true and what's not. The eighth graders, I'm reading a book called Dreamland Burning, which is about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. Um, yeah. And it connects a present day story of a girl who lives in Tulsa and a story of a boy who's living in Tulsa during 1921, during that weekend, and like weaves their stories together. It's a whole mystery. There's like a skeleton that's found in the basement of a house and it like connects back to 1921. And it's number one, just a real, that one is a really good story because it exposes them to a event in American history that doesn't get a lot of information about it. And when I gave, gave up. I gave up teaching To Kill a Mockingbird to our high school so that like they didn't get it twice. And so this was the book that I'm reading aloud to them to kind of replace that and to expose some of those topics of, it talks about Native Americans in Tulsa and how they were treated in 1921. It talks about, you know, the, the 
area of Tulsa that was, you know, the whole the whole um, race riot and what happened during that. And then it also talks about like modern day Tulsa and what it's like to live in in America now. And so it's it's a really, really powerful book. It's pretty amazing. It's one of my favorites to read. It's pretty amazing, but it's not one that I could teach. It's got too much stuff that is a little bit too delicate <laughs> to, to give to my whole class, but it's one that I can read aloud to them and because I can talk to them as I read it and like explain stuff as we're going to give them a better perspective on it. So you can let the wow. story teach yeah, and not have to drill down specifics, but just let right. that story marinate and then be part And then of they'll be movie. like, if there's like, wait, so this really happened and I said yeah like the story is historical fiction so the characters aren't real but like what's happening really happened and they're like oh well they're able <laughs> to make those connections you know mm -hmm. based on what's happening and I, you, you're choosing content that's meaningful and they can find themselves in that literature so oh my gosh and I let me come and sit in your classroom and <laughs> anytime I'm happy I, to have <laughs> I forgot what it was like to just read and enjoy a good book and then watch the curiosity rise in the minds of these young folks that's that's awesome you said that those stories were newer stories or, or a few uh -huh. of them were which means if you're finding the new stories that are really powerful, you're probably reading a lot all the time so that you're able to share that with them. I do. I try to read a lot. I'm very lucky that I have several other friends that are also middle school literature teachers, and they they offer me suggestions as well. It doesn't hurt that I also have three teenagers of my own. So I've been in the midst of this world as with my own kids for the last few years as well. So but I love books and I love reading like young adult and middle grade literature. I feel like it often has like it's able to point to or to bring up topics in such a like gentle way that kids care about. Like we think that kids only want happy stories. They don't like they don't want just fluff. They want to they want to think about stuff. They want to read stuff that has content and has real stuff. And so it's it's a good way to like expose them to some some real topics that maybe they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't see on their own or they wouldn't pick up on their own, but also just to, for them to realize that like, yeah, there's like, you can read books about kids. You can read books about anything that gives you a chance to think about it in a different way. Right. In fifth grade, I always read Bridge to Terabithia with my students. Like it's one of the books they read together because it talks about grief and helps them to like process, like what grief looks like in such a powerful way. And it's a lot safer in a way than them having to like experience it for the first time you know in in real world time but be able to be like see like a character and what they do and then be like like oh and remember then when they have those situations oh okay yeah when we read this book we talked about you know how he was angry but he wasn't really angry or you know those kinds of things and so it it gives them it gives them words when they don't have words I'm sure you've all heard, you know, books can be mirrors, books can be doors, books can be windows. Like they can reflect our own lives, right? They can give us an, a view into someone else's life or they can open a door that we can walk into that world. And so you want to have books that do all of those things, right? We want to have books that give them experiences that let them to like, oh, I, this is, this is me. I totally understand this. And you want them also to have books that just give them a view of like what it's like to be someone not like them. Carson City is very 
not super culturally diverse. And so it's good for them to have some stories where they see what life is like for other people in other places, because we're pretty isolated in our own little bubble here. You know, Hannah, we're, Heath and I are watching you and we, we just see that exuberance. It's just it's spewing out all over you. And we know that you're very passionate about your work. So in terms of hope, how would you encourage others to hang in there in the teaching profession? Because we all know it's tough. How, how do you help them build that hope, encourage them to hang in there? I was going to say it's it is hard. Like I won't. I'm not even going to lie. Like it's hard. Some days are hard. Some years are hard. Some classes are hard, right? Um, mm-hmm. Encouraging them and helping them to see like, you can't let, you have moments, right? And you have to focus on those moments that are like the true joy or that thing that you're just like, oh my gosh, that was like such a good moment, right? Or like when these students handed me this book and they're like, Mrs. Mashke, we think you'd love this. Like, that's what I have to hold on to. Like, okay, this is not, I am doing something, right? Like they do see this. I do get this. I have like, I encourage every teacher that I have. I have a file, literally like a physical file that when people like give me notes or cards or like students draw me a picture or whatever, like I stick it in there because sometimes I just need to open it up and like flip through it and be reminded that like, we are making a difference and people do see it. And the minority is always the loudest. You know, you always get those few people who are really loud, who maybe aren't happy with something, aren't doing something, but we can't focus on that. We have to look at these little moments of like true joy and true, like, this is why I do what I do. Because I have these kids that like truly are falling in love with reading, or I have these kids that like will come back to me. You know, when I had my, my students who are now grownups and like have their own jobs and like mm-hmm. respond to things that I post online that are like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Mashke, when you did this, it meant so much to me. I, you know, those are the things that you have to hold on to and realize that you can't let the frustration moments define this job because you'll have those every day, but you have to look at those moments that you can find joy in what you're doing and see how what we're doing impacts the future. So. That is so awesome and so true. And I <laughs> I wanted to share with you, I remember when I was teaching sixth grade and I had this young man who uh, was a reluctant reader and writer, but I, I had to hang in there with him, working with his mother. I'd go to his house and work with him on Saturdays, whatever it took. And I'll never forget, I was as a, I was in my, maybe my eighth year of being a principal and I was conducting uh, an awards program. And one of my staff members eased in and while in between, you know, grade shifts and said, Miss Foy, your son is here. And I said, my son, I was thinking my son, he should be at work. But I said, well, okay, he can just wait for me. She said, no, he's coming down the hall. I said, well, okay, but I'm doing an awards program. So I continued on with the award and then it got very quiet and everyone was looking to my left and I turned and I looked and there was a young man coming in in an officer's uniform with a dozen red roses. And it was that student I taught more than 20 something years ago. And I just started crying. And he walked in and said, Mama, I just want to thank you for encouraging me to read. So I'm going to say this to you. They do come back, especially when they know you have done or you are doing things that's going to continue to catapult them to a higher level. 
Mm-hmm. You are a brave and daring educator. We, we're honored to be here with you today. So keep it up. Don't stop. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is great. I really like that you are able to, you know, hold on to those moments. And I remember learning that that idea, like, hey, you should, you're going to have a file folder that has all kinds of stuff, you know, and then keep track of all the papers that you need to keep track of, but have one just for those cards, for those moments to hold on to, because you're going to need to pull that out once in a while. And I remember thinking in college, nah, I'll be fine. But I did. I went <laughs> back to that. And holy cow, there was a lot of times that I I really needed that encouragement. And good job. Thanks for sharing that, but also sharing a way to, to kind of hold on to those things. So Anna, what's one thing in the last week that has brought you joy? I think what brought me the most joy is, so my oldest daughter is 17. Um, she's a senior in high school this year, and we're having big feels about her leaving for college. But she asked me if I would go with her to a concert last weekend. Um, and so we went and saw the Lumineers in concert last weekend. And then what really made me smile, though, is I came back to school. And on Monday, as I'm directing kids like to cross after school, one of the third graders walks up to me and she's like, Mrs. Mashke, did you go to the Lumineers this weekend? And I was like, I did. How did you know that, Logan? And she was like, my mom and dad were there too. They said it was a really good concert. But it just like, it brought me such joy to like connect to like these, it's not even my student, right? Like I won't have her for two more years, but to like have her get so excited that I was in the same place that her parents were. And, you know, that just, that just, it just made me smile so much. Plus it made me smile to go to a concert with my daughter because I don't want her to leave. So, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's great. All the way around. I'm glad you're able to do that. And make the connections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Well, Anna, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This has been wonderful. And I'm glad that you are doing brave and daringly great things in the classroom and that you're willing to come on here and share this with other people. I think reading aloud, maybe you're like, uh, it's not that big a deal. But when you're able to do it the way that you're doing that and make the impact that you're doing, that's amazing. So thank you for sharing. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I could come. Oh, hey, let us know the next time you get ready to do another read aloud and, and tune in and listen. So, All right, sounds good. We'll jump in and read with you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a plan.